afternoon from the Mandalay Bay Convention Center, also known as Radio Row. This is Doug Farrar with Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. My good friend here, Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. Greg, we've been doing these a long time. The last live, like, in-person podcast we did was for Super Bowl Forty Nine, almost 10 years ago. Wow, that was the last live one we did? Yeah. God, I was only 20. Isn't that amazing? I know, amazing? right? I was yeah. only 13. God, I don't even know how I got in. That's impressive. Yeah. We, were, we couldn't yeah. even drink back then. I know, exactly. Of course, now we do. <laughs> so, uh, Super Bowl 58, we have a lot to get to, so let's dive right in. Greg, I want to start with run defense for both teams, the 49ers and the Chiefs. The 49ers do not lead with a stacked box defense. In the 2023 season, including the NFC Championship game, they stacked the box in just 14% of their snaps. Their defensive success rate of 38% speaks to the talent on that front and then the linebacker group, but it also allowed the Lions in the NFC Championship game, especially in the first half, to really handle San Francisco in the run game. And I wanted to go back to that David Montgomery 15-yard run right off the bat, 14-31 left in the first quarter. Lions were in 11. Uh, tight end Sam Laporta motioned across the formation. It looked like duo. I don't know if that was duo. It looked I, like it was. They looked like they ran a good amount of duo. You know, it's funny. We've talked throughout the year about a lot of things, Doug, and a lot of people ask me about run games, about when teams either stop it or don't stop it. Right. And you can always get into different fronts, and obviously that's what coaches do. But no matter what front you play, the interior of your D-line cannot be moved off the ball. Yes. I mean, you can be playing over fronts, under fronts, gap, one gap fronts, two gap fronts. When all's said and done, if your defensive tackles are moved off the ball, it's very hard to play good run defense. Right. And for whatever reason, and this has happened a bit throughout the season with the Niners, and I imagine it's a little bit of a concern for them going into Super Bowl 58, but good players have been moved. You know, Hargrave's a good player. Great Armstead's player. a good player. Yes. Kinlaw has turned out to be a nice rotational player. Maybe not the star that they might have thought he'd be when they traded Buckner and drafted him 13. But in, in that first half, particularly on the first two or three drives, yes. the interior of their D-line, you know, got moved. Yes. And, and you know when that happens... That means that your defensive tackles are in the lap of your linebackers. And no matter how good Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw are, and Warner, to me, is the best linebacker in football, and the duo is certainly among the top three or four as a duo in football, no matter how good you are, if the defensive tackles are in your lap, it's very hard to make plays. Right. And, you know, that's something that they're going to have to get taken care of in this game. Because if I could just turn it very quickly to a matchup, I know we want to get to a lot of different things. But, you know, Pacheco is a very hard runner. Yes. I think one of their staple runs, which fits Pacheco, because he is a north-south, urgent, competitive downhill runner, they're a very good gap scheme running yes, team. Yes, Where they pull the guard, and they have double teams. It's a man-blocking scheme. It's not a zone-blocking scheme. But if their tackles cannot handle double teams, at least stalemate them at the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. then it that's going to be difficult because if you get Pacheco to the point where no one can get a clean shot on him and you need a clean shot he's going to run through arm tackles with no problem yeah well I want to get speaking of duo I want to get back to that play real quick Uh, this was uh, Graham Glasgow and right tackle Penny Sewell doubled Armstead yep center Ragnow and uh, Coyote Awasika took Javon Hargrave yeah I think that was a duo concept it was duo I think and that gave Montgomery the perfect gap right through the middle. 
Warner was forced to, to pay attention to Laporta motioning across, so he wasn't in the right spot either to stop that. And the thing, let's get to Pacheco now. Um, it's not just that he's, you know, there are all these memes about, oh, he runs like he bites people. He's really energetic to and through the hole, and he's very good at getting through skinny gaps. Oh, he, he had that one run. It was against uh, Baltimore, remember? Yes, yes. That it was, I think, a 12-yarder. Yeah. That, and you don't think of him like that no. necessarily, but he got through a very small crease in the defense. And, you know, that's NFL running sometimes. Sometimes you have to get through a very small crease. Um, but Pacheco has been such a key figure for this offense um, because the pass game overall has not been as explosive in terms of 20-plus yard plays. No. So Pacheco has been a sustainer. Their offense has, need to, has needed to have a more of a sustaining element than that big play explosive element that we normally associate with Patrick Mahomes, which, of course, he can still do at any time. Uh, so to assume he can would be a mistake. But right. their offense this year was not really like that, yeah. as you know. So Pacheco became a really key figure because one of the ways I judge and evaluate backs, and I know you watch college tape as well, and, and you know, so we, we end up doing a lot of that kind of, of work, is the hard yards. In other words, can they take a three-yard run that's blocked for three mm-hmm. and make it a six- or seven-yard run? You know, I don't judge backs by, you know, oh, can they run 40 yards? There's not that many of those runs in the NFL. Sure. But can a back, can it be blocked for three? Can he work in confined space and take a three-yard gain and make it a seven-yard gain? Mm-hmm. And Pacheco can do that. Yeah. And that became so critical to their offense this year because – it, it allowed them to stay in on schedule, but it also allowed them to stay with their multiple tight end personnel, right. which became really the foundation personnel-wise of their offense. Although this one, this one was out of eleven, so they can kind of do well, whatever they, can they do want. Both, right. Clearly, they yeah. can clearly do both. But I mean, they had was it against Baltimore? I think it was against Baltimore, where almost sixty percent of their offensive snaps came out of multiple tight end personnel, yeah. either twelve. With two tight ends or 13 with three tight ends? Yeah, we have a lot about that coming up. So yeah, talk yeah. to Matt Nagy about that today. Um, Andy Reid had his um, Wednesday morning press right. we taping this Wednesday. Someone asked him who he, uh, he would compare Pacheco to, and he said Roger Craig. Angry, knees up, interesting, go through, and I thought, wow, you know what? That makes a lot of and sense. And it's funny, I didn't go back that far, but that's a great comparison. The, the, the back that I thought of when I saw Pacheco last year was Marion Barber. Oh, yes. Mary the Barbarian. Yeah, another yeah. guy that ran just like every run would be his last run in the league. Yeah. Tyler Algier, the guy who went to the Falcons, I, I made the barber comp yeah. for him. Kind of a but, same uh, But Craig's a really good comparison. Yeah, you know? well, Andy yeah. knows what he's talking about. And he's been around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So the Lions use run action so well. The Niners had to split their focus between run and pass post snap. And, you know, they got... They got the Niners more than once with that idea, and this is a team that will motion into run plays. We've seen that with the multiple personnel. There was that pin-pull run, which we'll show on this, against the uh, Bills in the playoffs. where Oh, know, Pacheco to the left side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, where they pulled the left tackle, uh, Donovan Smith. Um, yeah. And that was Allegretti. It wasn't Tooney. Tooney was out. So right, it's right, not like right. they need their best right. guys, to, not, to, not to dismiss him, but and Tooney's like and a And there's top a guy. very good possibility Tooney will be out again yeah. for the Super Bowl. So, um but, yeah, no, they do the pin pull as well, um, which gives 
The pin pull's a good run also for Pacheco for this reason. It allows him to gain velocity yep. because he's not going to be hit early in the down. Yes. He has room to generate velocity, and he's a velocity-type runner. And once he gets to those linebackers and safeties, yeah. it's party time. He's a hard guy to tackle. Absolutely. He's a really hard guy to tackle. So um, the Niners with Christian McCaffrey lead with inside and outside zone out of either zone or split zone this season. McCaffrey has led the NFL in carries, 234 yards, 1265 yards after contact, 755, and touchdowns, 15. The Chiefs have faced the NFL's second most, seventh most zone runs. They've allowed 1,256 yards, 774 yards after contact, and five touchdowns. Because they're generally in lighter personnel, and Spags loves his dime defense, especially on third downs, and their fronts are aligned for pressure more than, say, run stopping. Their run defense will expose lanes that can be but taken advantage what'll of. What will be interesting, and in many ways, if I could just step back for a second. Of course. In many ways, everything starts with personnel. Because you're dealing with two teams that play a higher percentage of base personnel than what we think of the NFL these days. Right. So we talked about the Chiefs. The 49ers play 21 personnel with Kyle Juszczyk over 40% of their snaps. So the question is... If you start with personnel, which is what defensive coaches start with, how will the Chiefs, since we're talking about their defense now, is Spags going to play his base defense? My guess is he will. Now, if it gets to be second and eight and it's 21 personnel, he might go to nickel at that point. But I think on first and ten or more normal down and distance situations, second and four, I think he's going to play 4-3 base because Chennault has become kind of a a movable chess piece. He lines up on the ball, off the ball. He's a pretty good player for them. Um, You know, so I think that in in normal down and distance, he'll be in base. Um, Now, what we know about the 49ers run game, they run to the left more than any team in football because of Trent Williams. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's okay. And Aaron Banks is a pretty good player, too. Yeah, he is. Um, they motion. Feliciano has been good too. In, a, in, in a, the run in game. A number of, yeah, in, in the, the run, in the run game. game. Yeah, yeah they, they have issues on the right side with one-on-one pass protection. Yeah. Um, they motion a ton to try to prevent the edge from being set. So they often double initially the widest edge defender, mm-hmm. so he can't set the edge. Right. They either push him totally outside, or if he wants to go inside, they just wash him right down. But they they'll motion. It, it'll, it'll be Kittle, use check. Could be Juwan Jennings if they're in 11. But it could be, you know, it, they motion a lot to create that initial double on that widest edge defender. Right. And that just takes him out of it. And at stat services, you never know, but on, on third down, they motion like 100%. Of the, they, 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 they never, they never right. don't motion. So that, which were, and again, the great thing about these conversations is, you know, you just start, you bring up a point, you can just go. Right. Um, is how will... Spags and the Chiefs deal with that. Are they going to try to react to motion or are they going to just not re- and by not reacting, by the way, that's still a reaction. Right. It's just a different kind of reaction. Yeah, you keep your guys where they are. Right. I just, and I don't want to say one thing is going to decide the Super Bowl because that's kind of reductive, but run defense might be a bigger deal than people think in this game. It, it could well be. I mean, I think the Niners, my sense is um, you could argue both teams, but the Niners, I think, can't get caught in a lot of long yardage situations because no. I think that the right side of their offensive line struggles in pass protection, and the right tackle especially. Yeah, but even even Feliciano yeah. is not a great one-on-one pass protector. No. 
So yeah, the run game's going to be really important in this yeah. game. Um, which raises other points, but here, yeah, you do but your thing. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, yeah, let's get to the quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brock Purdy in the postseason, boy, it's been up and down. It has. It, is, it has been up and down. He has missed a lot of stuff. Um, I want to get to the interception to Malcolm, Malcolm Arias, late 47 left in the second quarter, NFC Championship, four rushers on an overload left. Josh Pascal, who I know we both like coming out of college, tipped the ball as Purdy threw it. The attempt was to Debo outside right on a 15-yard slant. Didn't even get there. The Lions drop Rodriguez, linebacker Alex Anzalone, and defensive back Brian Branch into intermediate coverage. Cover six, four to the field, two to the boundary, and that was going to be a tough throw into all that traffic even if Purdy had a clean shot. And they have four linebackers, Tranquil, Bolton, Willie Gay, and Leo Chanel, can all drop into coverage, so I wonder if Spags will cloud the lanes for Purdy because that seems to be one place where we've talked about his anticipation, his ability to dissect coverage switches, but if you flood the lanes against him, the Lions had some success there. Well, a couple of things I think you'll see Spags do. Number one, he's a big believer in press because, and it works for the Niners in this regard. I'm not saying it's easy, but the Niners are a very timing-based pass game with Purdy. Now every team obviously is built on timing in the pass game. No one says to a quarterback, just drop back and see what happens. Roll the ball around. Right, but they're very timing-based, rhythmic-based three-step, five-step timing, ball out. So in normal down and distance, you don't necessarily get to Purdy. Right. So how do you disrupt the pass game? You have to disrupt the receivers, Mm -hmm. and Spags is a big believer in that, that you must disrupt the receivers because you're not going to get to the quarterback. Now, third and long, obviously, we're in a different different situation here. So I think the combination of what you said and disrupting the receivers is what we'll see a lot of. Just so when Purdy hits that back foot, he doesn't feel like he has a clean throw. Right. Because, as you know, and, and this is why the Super Bowl is so fascinating, obviously a significant percentage of their pass game works between the numbers, but they've also started to gradually and incrementally play off that a little bit and counter that with some outside routes where IU can particularly will, will, will look like that. they're yeah. going to break inside and, and then, then they'll just break yep. outside. Hit the corner. And that's part of the whole test match yep. of this of this game. Yep. The other thing the Lions did, and I would expect maybe Spags will do this, is they would get close. They knew they weren't going to get there because of the quick passing game. So they had, I think, four or five deflections. Yeah. And it wasn't like volleyball deflect, but if you get a finger on that ball, it goes where the quarterback well, doesn't and, want. And that's the other thing about throwing so much between the numbers and inside the hashes is you give the defense the opportunity for deflections. And I think um, our mutual friend Cody Alexander brought this up. Um, Cody's a brilliant guy from match quarters. The Niners play more condensed formations than any other team. Yeah, they do. And when Spag sees condensed formations, he gets a cornerback here and a cornerback here, and he wants to blitz. And he wants to blitz. And you're going to see that. Yeah. You're absolutely going to see that. And that's a great point you just brought up because the condensed formations often lead to blitz. And whether it's a call blitz or whether the old BTF, blitz to formation, right. which I first learned about when I did the book and then with Buddy Ryan. Yeah. And, you know, they did a ton of that. This goes back, you know, to 1985, even before 1985 when Buddy started putting in that 46 defense. But there would be formations where there would just be an automatic blitz to formation. Yep. You know, again, I don't know the answer to that, right. you know, but it's very possible that could be the case. Yep. They could say, they could have a rule that, hey, if the split is less than five yards, you know, especially Go. to the boundary, let's yeah. say, you're going. Go. You're going. Yep. Yep. 
Um, well, talked to Spags for about half an hour on opening night. He's the best. Oh, man. Well, you know, because he spent, watched tape with you for like a whole year yeah, before yeah, he got was, the Chiefs job. I learned, I mean, it, it's incredible the stuff you learn. Yeah, and, and he speaks really highly of you as well. Is it, you know, you guys are the, oh, the well, dream that's nice team to over hear, there. Yeah. I, but, you know, because I've known him for a long time since he was in Philly. Uh, that's when I met him. And, um, you know, he obviously felt comfortable the year he was out giving me a call and saying, hey, you know, because his wife's from Philly, so he was spending a lot of time in Philly. And, um, uh, you know, he said, hey, can I come in? And I'm, I'm like, are you, what are of you course kidding me? Can. Of course you, you can come in every day if you want. <laughs> whatever, <Yeah. laughs> whatever. I'll bring the soda. Right, right. Um, but I talked to him for about half an hour, and a couple, he got a couple questions about Brock Purdy, but three times, unprovoked, he brought up Purdy's poise. Yep. That he's not a backup. You can't look at this guy and say Mr. Irrelevant. He is an NFL quarterback, and he's an NFL quarterback for... I have well, rarely heard a defensive coordinator speak so highly multiple times unprovoked about a quarterback. Now, we, we're going to get to blitzes here. Brock Purdy, and you know this, Greg, has been thermonuclear against the blitz. Well, his, Why? His, his ability, and we saw it from the moment he came in as a rookie last year against Miami, and Miami, that was a different defense, not Vic Fangio's. It was a heavy pressure defense. No, it's Flores Boyer's. Zero right, right. Blitzes, yeah. And they just started blitzing him like crazy, and he saw everything right away. One of the best traits, I think, that Purdy has, which was very hard to discern from college tape, because you don't see a lot of this in college, right. is Purdy is phenomenal at being able to see. I guess the best way to say it is late coverage rotation. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't see a lot of that in college. So by late coverage rotation, what I mean is this. The defense shows you a picture before the snap of the ball from both a front and a coverage perspective. Mm -hmm. Then it changes right at the snap or or a quarter of a second before the snap. But the quarterback does not have time to figure it out. He has a second or less to see what just changed. Purdy has been phenomenal at seeing what just changed. Yeah. He sees the he sees the front to the back. He yeah. sees the whole he, thing. He sees it really, really well. And, you know, some guys who are really, you know, great arms, good throwers, all that, they never really see it. And that's one reason why some guys don't become really good quarterbacks. Right. You know, it gets it gets back to the basic point of quarterback traits. You know, we all watch tape college guys, and what do we start with? Oh, he's got a great arm. He's an athlete. He can. But you know what? The mental part of the game, the processing, the elimination in isolation, the making the right decisions based on what you see, that's what makes high-level quarterbacking. Absolutely. And Purdy has been very, very good at that, and coaches understand that. Spags knows that that's what makes quarterbacking, yep. is a quarterback that can decipher this. But that doesn't mean Spags isn't going to do it. It's oh, no. just making it, – it's one of the great chess match elements of this game. I think, yeah, the, the, the Chiefs defense, especially the coverage against the Niners offense, especially the passing game, it's, it's, the one, it's been my, like, primal focus right, the whole right. week. Um, yeah, Spags said it, it's been an, uh, eight days of watching Niners tape. He said, I've got through just about every game. I hadn't seen him a lot before because there was a lot of AFC and right, 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 right. So it's just in the last eight days, it's like, wow, this guy's for real. No, and – you know, again, I so game reading. manager. You know, he's you know, just and a and product again, we, of the system. Block. You know, the people say that outside the league, inside the league, that's not what not they're he, saying. No, they, no, because you know, I love when I keep reading. Well, this is the game that will decide if Purdy's a good player. <laughs> I mean, you know, and by the way, could he could he have a bad game? Sure, he could. I mean, Lamar Jackson sucked because the Ravens right, he, aren't he, here. He's, 
things do happen in, in these games. I mean, you know, John Elway is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. His first three Super Bowls, he didn't play well at all. So, I mean, again, you can, you can get into that debate right. forever. But Brock Purdy's played a lot of games now in the NFL. And with the exception of maybe one or two, he really has not had a bad game. Now, as he had bad plays, every quarterback has yeah. bad plays. It's the NFL. Yeah. But, I mean, this is not a referendum on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's not all of a sudden going to become a bad player. No. I mean, he's started for a year and a half now. Uh, the Rams and Giants games in Leagues 2 and 3, he was a little erratic. Uh, the two playoff games, he's not been great. But that's, you know, four games where you can point to, mm, I don't know about that. That's pretty good for a year and a half. Yeah, I mean. Because every quarterback's going to have bad games. Patrick you know, Mahomes has had more than one this year. Yeah, the guy's a, a good player. And, and, you know, it's really interesting how, you know, people always talk about the Niners, uh, a lot of people do anyway, about how, you know, I've heard some people say, well, 15 quarterbacks could, you know, play for the Niners. Well, that's patently not true. Not like this. Not Right. It's just false. They traded like 12 drafts for Trey Lance. That didn't work out. Right. I mean, anybody who says that just doesn't know ball. Right. On the other side of the ball, uh, the Niners do not blitz a lot. No. And Patrick Mahomes this year, the, the book has been, and justifiably so, if you blitz Mahomes, he will kill you. This year, that's not been true. What's different? I think there's a couple of things that are different with Mahomes. Um, and, by the way, doesn't mean Mahomes is not a great Oh, no, great we're not. Yeah, we're not reducing My the, the sense, and I'm not in Mahomes' head, but I've watched him really closely this year because, you know, I get asked about him a lot. And... I think two things. Number one, I don't think he trusts his offensive tackles in one-on-one -on -one pass protection. Nor and I should think he's he. been more <laughs> conscious of moving. He, he moves anyway. I spoke with a defensive coordinator who played against him for a number of years, and he said, you know, Mahomes often moves when he doesn't have to anyway. That's just who he is, mm -hmm. and that's the way he's going to play. And you know what? That is who he is. And maybe the purist in me feels like, oh, you know, I wish he didn't do that. But he's a great quarterback, and that's the way he plays. Right. So he's going to do that. But the point is, I think he's doing it, did it a little more this year because I personally don't believe he trusts his protection. And I'm not sure he trusted his receivers a whole lot to make some of the kinds of throws that we've seen him make in the past. It's improved in the last few right. games. But I mean, for the guy Valdez-Gailing in the last two games. <laughs> Yeah. Out of nowhere, has made tough yeah. catches. And Rasheed Rice has turned into this zone buster. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, he's great. So. But, I mean, you know, so the bottom line is Mahomes in any given game, look, I don't know what their game plan will be, but if they feel they can throw it, and in some way I feel they will feel they can throw it, and yeah. we can get to that in a sec, he certainly can go 30 for 40 for 380 yards. I mean, he's certainly capable of yeah. doing that. And it could be for four touchdowns, or it could be for four touchdowns and three interceptions. It could, right, right. Although have... he doesn't throw a lot of picks. No, he doesn't. Yeah. Um, I want to get into another myth busting. Earlier in the week and last week, I saw a lot of people who I respect saying that Steve Wilkes' 49ers defense is static. And I'm like, I don't know what you mean by that, and I don't know what I'm not tape sure you're what watching. static means. Static means it's pretty much the same pre and post snap. And I would say the fronts to a point. The coverage, though. They do a lot of switching, and it's a lot. They play a lot of cover three, and it's a lot of two to single high, and it's a lot of two to three. And well, that that we, we talked last week about the Ravens possibly not beating Mahomes, but slowing his process. Right. I think the Niners can do that with their coverages as well. You know, and don't forget, you have an extra week now of study, so you might see a little more of that. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think I understand when people say static because they're not one of those defenses that jumps all over the place. No, not in the front six. No, although their fronts in their they're not a dime defense. They're a nickel sub defense. So unless they do something different for the Super Bowl, maybe they will. They but assuming they don't and they stay with nickel, when you get to third down, they can be multiple with their front looks. They, they're a big loaded front Yeah, they do defense. the overload. They yeah. do it with three defensive linemen to one side of the center. Warner and Greenlaw kind of become kind of wild cards in that. Yes. They jump in and out. Yes. You know, they... That's when they do their best stunting out of that loaded front. Yep. Oftentimes Bosa, Bosa comes all the way around. Yeah, yep. The long stun into yep. the A-gap. Yep. Um, so They'll also know, put Armstead out there sometimes and he'll Yeah, yeah. No, they, yeah. that's when they, you know, secondary-wise, I wouldn't say they're incredibly multiple, you know, compared to some other teams. Um, you know, I think when they're in their base defense, I think you're going to see the Chiefs go after D'Amador Lenore. Because okay. he's going to play outside and base. Obviously, in right. their nickel, he comes inside, and it's been Ambry Thomas playing outside, who I think they'll go after as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Nick Bosa's sack of Jared Goff with 11.47 left in the second quarter of the NFC Championship game. This takedown was all about how Wilkes schemed it up and how Greenlaw and Warner executed the plan. Was that when he beat the tight end uh, or the tackle? Well, yeah, here's what happened. Greenlaw was off ball. Warner was aligned in a one-tech Because he had two spacing. sacks in the second quarter. So yeah. Post-snap, Greenlaw blitzed to divert the attention of Penny Sewell, which gave Bosa a clean entry to the pocket. I remember that, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Goff would have, had, would have had wide receiver Josh Reynolds open on the 10-yard curl, but Warner backed into coverage and got all the way over into the hook zone right in front of Reynolds. Warner may be the best zone I mean, he's coverage ridiculous. defender as a linebacker in the NFL. So you can see Goff in the pocket just accepting his fate like, I don't even know what the heck I'm supposed to do here. So well, that's no, the kind of thing. Those levers on, that play. Yeah, those levers on yeah. linebackers, that's yeah. the kind of thing you're talking about. You know, now obviously Mahomes is a different cat because sure. he can move. Yeah. And if he feels that, hey, something's wrong from a protection standpoint, he'll move. And, you know, that's where the Wilkes game plan will be very interesting because you talk to defensive coordinators. I have, I'm sure you have, mm-hmm. you know, about Mahomes specifically, but also other quarterbacks that can make those second reaction off-script plays. And they all say the same thing. They say when you play those kinds of quarterbacks, there's really two defenses you have to play. There's the defense you play within structure for the first 2.2, 2.5 seconds. But then there's the defense you have to play after that, and that's hard. Yeah. A uh, couple times, this one was uh, yeah, 301 left in the first half of the ESC championship game. Ravens flipped from too high to cover three. Presented a five-man pressure look pre-snap. It was a five-man pressure, but not what Mahomes expected. Kyle Van Noy dropped into short coverage on Travis Kelsey. Kyle Hamilton blitzed from all the way over there. Hamilton nearly got Mahomes, who had to roll to his right and throw the ball away. Not unlike what Kyler Murray had to do against the 49ers in Week 15. Kind of a similar thing. Now, well, Murray isn't in the same stratosphere as Mahomes, but those mobile guys, right. when they start to run, they start to leave early because the picture gets weird, and now they're throwing the ball away. That right. kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and Mahomes is in a class by himself, of obviously, course, but he course. moves and makes throws. Um, but, you know, what you basically describe is more about breaking down protection than, and, and, and I think that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. You're trying to break down protection. Um, you know, obviously some quarterbacks deal with blitz better than others. Mahomes, 
he's not going to become frenetic and chaotic. He'll move, no. but I mean, he may be as good as there is in the league with his vision on the move. Sure. So you're not going to get him frenetic. So you're really talking about breaking down protection. You're not really breaking Mahomes down. No. You're breaking down the protection. Exactly. You're hoping it can happen fast enough that you know then Mahomes can't get out. Right. But that's what you're really trying to do. Yep. Uh, let's get to a concept we've discussed before with the Chiefs, especially Bills a little bit. Four strong. Oh, yeah. Chiefs <laughs> have been really good at it. Yep. Well, the, the, the I think it was a 21 yard corner route to Kelsey against the Ravens, where they had Kyle Hamilton. Uh, he had Edward Zolaire in the flat and Kelsey over, and Hamilton's there like, okay, it, it's, it was four Are on. Are you talking about the one where they. The kind of the flood concept where yeah. they hit him. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Hamilton's in the middle just like, I don't know what to do. I talked to Matt Nagy about four strong. He didn't say anything you wouldn't expect. It was to gain a matchup advantage. But explain to me, especially against too high, um, why four strong has become. And, and Nagy said, we don't lead with it, but it's a big part of what we do. Right. Well, football, and I learned this early on from a very smart coach who coached in the league for 40 years. Football's a numbers game. So if you're going, if you're playing against zone, obviously man's different. You're just matching up to men. But if you're playing zone, okay, if you're going to send four receivers to one side of the field, you don't have enough people in in any zone coverage concept to match up to four receivers to one side of the field. Right. Which is why, and I've watched clinics on on YouTube from coaches, even college coaches, you know, and they talk about defending four strong. Everybody has to start bumping over, mm-hmm. but it's not their normal way of playing. And if you don't see the four strong right away, because the Chiefs are really good at making it four strong by bringing one of the receivers from the other side. They did that with Rasheed Rice on a play. Yes, yeah, so, so the defense is not automatically seeing it as four strong. So they're not pushing their whole defense over to that side. You have to push people, because otherwise, in a normal cover three, cover four, cover six, cover eight, which is quarter, quarter, half, either to the field either or the way, boundary, yeah. depending on you know what, what it is, you don't have enough people no. to play four receivers to in a zone concept. Right. That's why four strong is so hard. And even if you do, what also presents itself is, okay, let's say you bump everyone over. Um, there was a, the Niners gave up a, they haven't, and, well, we'll get into 13 personnel in a minute, which the Chiefs use a lot. But they had a four-strong concept. They gave up a touchdown to, uh, Niners did, to DK Metcalf, where it was 13, and they loaded it on that side. So, conversely, everyone bumped over, and it was Metcalf against Ambry Thomas, I believe, and it was just one-on-one. Right oh, to the I remember end that zone. touchdown. So, it's not just the four-strong. Yeah, right. It's what it does right. for the ISO receiver right, on the right, back because side. Right, then because then it- that side simply becomes zero man. Right. That corner has no help at all. Right. And for Ambry Thomas, that was a bad deal. Right. I, you'll see that with Ambry. And even though, the, I mean, I think Rice, Rasheed Rice has developed, and he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. You can even do that with Valdez Scaling. I mean, I know he takes a lot of crap from, you know, because he doesn't catch the ball great. That's not his strength. But he still can run a little bit. Yep. And, you know, you can put him out there, and he can run by people. Yep. A couple more things. Uh, talk to Matt Nagy about 13. Right. The three tight end stuff. They led the league in passing, and Pacheco had more attempts out of 13 than anyone else. No, they're, that, they're, 
they're a multiple tight end personnel offense for the most part. More, well, 13 more than any other yeah, team. Yeah. One interesting thing Nagy said to me was one of the reasons we do it is because not a lot of defenses have expansive plans for 13 personnel. Which is true. Because other teams just don't use it a lot. Right. And so I'm like, okay, let's go back and see how many times the Niners have faced 13 personnel either in the pass game or the run game. I would bet not a lot. Not a lot. And uh, one, the touchdown in the passing game was that one to Metcalf against the Seahawks. Because one of the things with 13 personnel you get, which you don't see very often in the league, and you know you have to have a specific front to deal with it, is you see what we call a four-man surface or a five-man surface, mm-hmm. where you have four players attached. You know, you, the guard, the tackle, two tight ends to one side of the center. Now, you could even bring that third tight end to that side if you wanted to and have a five-man surface. Right. And as you said, not a lot of teams practice against that. And you have to have – the Chiefs have to have a specific front, that, and they will. Now, what, um, I mean the Niners. The yeah. Niners have to have a specific front, yeah. and they will. Whether that means they stop it, that's all – we don't know that. But we know they're going to practice I that. wonder if they send the overload to the heavy side. Maybe. I don't know. You know, you know yeah, there's, there's many – there's multiple ways to deal with it that involve your D-line, yep. your second-level defenders, safeties coming down. I mean, there's multiple ways to deal with it, but there's no question they're going to be practicing against it. And getting back to the Chiefs' run game, um, the Niners had a – they gave up one touchdown out of 13 personnel. It was a 16-yard – you may remember this play – 16-yard Kareem Hunt touchdown when they played the Browns. And they, uh, they uh, it was a sweep left. Wouldn't have been Kareem Hunt. Rams? No, Browns. Oh, I thought you said Rams. I'm sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 16-yard Kareem Hunt run against may- the Browns. May- maybe you did say Browns, and I just missed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cleveland motioned uh, tight end Jordan right, Aikens right, 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 right to left. Right, right. And Joku and Harrison Bryant stayed on the right side. It was Donald, Donovan Peoples-Jones and David Bell, two receivers, yeah. uh, who were the ones who helped crack that run open. So yeah, that, and, that and, was an example. And, right, and, and that's not a large enough for, sample size. But, right. But the point is it's the concepts they have to practice at. against it. Right. They have to have a plan for when they see a four-man surface, a potentially a five-man surface. They have, to have, they have to have practiced it so they know, okay, I see it. And, and Warner's probably the guy who makes the call and whatever he yells out, blue, blue, and they go right to what they practiced. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so the next one. Guys getting enough attention it's kind of a subjective thing, but as much tape as you've watched, I know you've been doing, you've already shot NFL matchup for the Super Bowl, yep. which we'll, we'll all watch, look forward to. Are there guys you think, you know, I keep watching this guy, and I don't think he gets enough praise, enough recognition. Well, there's like, one Maybe guy, a couple guys on either side of the there's ball. There's one guy who does, I think, get the proper recognition, but I think he's arguably the, you could maybe say he's the most critical player on the Chiefs defense, and that's Nick, Nick Bolton. Yeah. I mean, he Stag never, said on Monday he's the engine that makes the whole thing go. But so I think Reed tape, said that this morning. The, the tape yeah. tells me that. Yep. That's why I brought him. I didn't. I didn't know he said that. I, you know, you exactly were at the press conferences. I yeah. wasn't. You know, and, and I didn't read that. Right. But um, but the tape tells you that he never comes off the field. He's just a really good player. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a really important player. Um, if I'm to pick a, a guy on the Niners defense, I'd say that a really important player in this game, maybe in every game, but I think in this game. Is Tayshawn Gibson. Okay. <clears throat> he's a safety. He's a veteran safety. Been in the league a lot of years. He's been he's really everything. good for them the last two years, and Niners fans don't even talk about right. him. Like, nobody talks about him. He's been really good. So, I think he's a really important player. And he can play from the box to deep. <coughs> and he can Excuse go me. all over the field. Yeah. yeah. 
he's normally, and they don't play a ton of man, but every team plays no. some man. He's normally their tight end matchup, so it'll be interesting. Oh, okay. Because he's the, you know. And they get into which tight end? Right, but I'm saying, if, let's yeah. say it's 11 personnel. Yeah, it's Kelsey. It would be Kelsey. Right. So the question is, will he be the match? You know, it's not going to be the rookie Brown, so right. it would be Gibson. Yeah. Unless they have some different kind of plan where they feel that Warner has to match up. Which it could be. They could. Yeah. I mean, Warner's 6'3", 235. Yeah. He, no, he can match. Yeah. 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 But that also, like, when he followed Laporta on that Montgomery run and all of a sudden he wasn't there for the second level. That's, right. But I mean, that's you know, where you kind of get into the whole yeah. mix and match. I mean, you know, and that's why, look, it's a, it's a chess match, you yeah. know. You try to do certain things where you feel you have a good read on the defense, and by the way, they're going to have good, they're going to have good reads. Uh, you know, this is teams always know what the other team is doing to a large extent. The Super Bowl, there will be some tweaks and some differences just because they've had an extra week to prepare, right. and teams bring in all their scouts to help with preparation. You know, there's more people that are involved that are given projects, you know, to, to break down. Right. So maybe there's. You know, Spag sees something and he goes, "Oh, I'm just going to add this particular pressure this week." You know, on and it, but it would be in a given situation. It's not like he would run it ten times. Yeah. Or you know, maybe Kyle Shanahan says, "Oh, you know, I see what they do on defense on this particular look. I'm going to just change up the route concept a little bit." Yeah. You know, so you know that's what happens. And what you said about them, you know, oh, they're going to go inside now. They're running corner routes. They're adjusting and they're they you know to. they're doing that fake in and then out. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to Spags uh, to finish with the Chiefs defense. I talked to him about, and I asked him, you have all these new guys. You have all these, you know, second and third-year players. How do you do this complicated defense without busting? He said, and as long as he's been coaching, this is quite a statement. He said, this is the most intelligent defense I've ever had this year. Interesting. Ever had. I was talking to Drew Tranquil, the linebacker today, who would be one of my underrated guys. Right. Oh, he's, he's, and he's just, a good guy. And just to finish yeah. um, and, and kind of go on. Because yeah. I think Spags is, I mean, the more I watch the team, he's got a, a string, the way I put it. He's got a string from the line to the backers to coverage that is rare. Everything I, works I, I together. And everything kind of paints over each other. I, you know, I guess in some ways he got a little more due this year. But I just don't understand why he's not talked about as one of the great defensive coaches ever ever yeah i mean you could he say that look at, look at the stuff he was doing to tom brady 15 years and by ago the way he NASCAR started stuff. so many different ways back in 2007 with the nascar which wasn't really being used then no. you know that was kind of, i don't want to say no one ever did it because you you know you've researched this right the football of history i've done that so well now four stand-up guys is no big deal right. back then so, it was so like I'm not what the say, heck is this neither one of us would say it's never been done before right. you know but you know, it wasn't common in the game. Right. I mean, he's done this, and, and now he's considered one of the best blitzer. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. The guy's phenomenal. And unlike a lot of defensive coordinators, he's, as you said, he's done it so many different ways for so yeah, long. Yeah, So that's, uh, yeah, he may be the key to the whole thing. Anyway, Greg. That was stuff. fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, great stuff as always. Uh, looking forward to Super Bowl yeah. 58. And uh, good to see you in person, my yeah, man. Yeah, this was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Good stuff. Yeah.